0: Gonna invite Clive up. Clive's gonna come and join us to bring God's word this morning. Just as Clive comes, um, yeah, you can you can give him a smattering of applause. Um, wow. <laughs> um, just wanna I, I, before he speaks, just wanna honour Clive. Um, Clive's been back on team here with us for three years. Uh, I've known Clive for probably 20 or so years since I first moved to Eastbourne. It's a real joy as someone who's, who's set an example of following Jesus to me and to many of us here uh, for a whole number of years. Clive, when he first came and joined the team, he, he came back just helping out voluntarily and was involved here. We asked him to come into the eldership team again and join us as the eldership team a couple of years ago. And actually alongside that, we'd always employed Clive. I know and he looks beyond the age of employment. What? No, I don't mean that. You don't retire in the kingdom, do you? Um, but we always employed Clive a couple of days a week just to help us out with what we're doing here. And so we'd drag him into the building. We'd say, come to meetings and turn up to staff time and be around for appointments and things with people. But actually from, this, from January, so from a few days ago onwards, Clive now works here just a day a week. And I say that out loud because actually he does, Gillian, he does a lot more than a day a week. We know that. I just say, church, please be kind to this man. I say it publicly out loud because I think sometimes we just think people have got all the time in the world and they can meet over us. I know that Clive will want to say yes to every single person that ever says, can we meet up? Can we see each other? And so I am publicly saying from the front on Gillian's behalf, (laughs) sometimes Clive is elsewhere. He's wonderful. He serves other churches. He travels. He goes outside of here. He's got a huge blended family across the world that he tries to see. And actually we just want to honour him in the way that he serves us and loves us as a church. But to just honour him as the man that he is and the commitments that you've got. So I say it out loud just so that you hear it and that you know we love how he serves us, but he really is only employed a day a week to be around. So let's enjoy his time that we got together and receive God's oh, words. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Oh, Great. What a great retirement speech that was. Oh, oh, oh right. It's the new year, happy new year, come on, 2024 is upon you and me and uh, I've been, I have a burden in my heart to bring uh, a new year, uh, heartfelt message to you, so I'm just going to pray and I pray that my words will settle in your hearts and I know there are people here who are checking this place out for the very first time, I, I introduced myself to them uh, just a few moments ago, before the, the meeting started. So, whether you've been here one day or f- 38, whatever it is, years since this church has been going, you are on a big, big journey. And one day you're going to meet Jesus face to face. One day you're going to go uh, transformed from this this material world into a brand new existence altogether. But I want your heart ready. I want you ready for that extraordinary moment when Jesus pulls you into eternity. So my burden is that. The series starts today, it's a four-week series called The Forgotten Arts and we often bring that at the beginning of the year and I will tell you what the title is in a moment. Let me pray and let me get started. Okay, Lord, we thank you for, for the beautiful privilege of glorifying your name we thank you for those songs we've just sing, sung that get right to our hearts. They break us open. They, they remind us that we're loved so much by the King. The King has sent for me. What an extraordinary privilege. The King of love has sent for me. Lord, we just pray now that we would understand that we were built to glorify you. We're made in your image. We are so, so special to you. Lord, we're above every other creature upon this earth. We have your nobility built into us, your dignity built into us. May we, as a church here, King's Church Eastbourne, worthily magnify your great and holy name and live lives which are a beautiful provocation to this town and beyond. Amen. 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 Okay, let me start by saying this. The early church had no building. No political influence. The early church was actually shunned and shamed and persecuted. But it actually turned the world upside down because, why? Because of an absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in. There was a passionate love for Jesus. They preached the gospel of the cross and boy, did they pray. It was an uprising of prayer in the first century and onwards. And so I asked myself the question, if we were to start again, would we do things differently here? So in a way, what I want to bring to you is like a rain check on your lives and my life, how we're doing. So if I was to start again, what would the main things be that marked out the early church? Are they truly the main thing today? I asked myself that question. So... Do we pray like they prayed? Do we devote ourselves like they did to Jesus? Total devotion to following him and him alone. Do do we give like they gave recklessly, generously, sacrificially? Do we hang out with each other like they did? They devoted themselves to each other's friendship and fellowship every day. That may not be possible in the crazy world we live in, but boy, we need to hang out more with each other. We need to be like that early church in deep community together. And so I asked myself, Lord, you know, do, is the church in the West, particularly in the West, suffering from consumerism, which hijacks us from the mission? Is there mission drift? Have we, have we lost the radical, sharp, salty, tangy nature of that first century church? What's God's purpose for you and me? I can sum it up in 24 words. Are you ready? It's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. I can condense 24 words into four words. Love God. Love others. And so the theme that I want to talk about today at the start of 2024 is this. The theme of confession. You go, whoa, where's he going with that? Confession. Now, the word confession isn't a heavy guilt trip word. To confess literally means to say the same as. So in other words, what's in you gets said out. So you can confess the truth. You don't have to necessarily confess your sins. You can confess your sins and you should confess your sins. Get rid of them but you also to confess his glory, to confess truth, to confess, confess, confess the, the beauty of creation just as we've been singing. And so I want to do some confession with you today because it's such a clean and good and wholesome thing to do. And you're not going to be sharp for God unless you're a confessing people. So let's confess. What's your prayerlessness like the prayerlessness of my inner world? Am I trading off other people's revelations to conceal my own poverty? So am I using other people to do what I should be doing myself? So in other words, am I looking too much in the mirror at myself and I'm distracted by my own story, what's going on in my life, my own preoccupations, So as I look in the mirror, I'm caught up with that difficult four-letter word. There are some nasty four-letter words out there. Here's a not very helpful four-letter word, self. So I'm distracted by myself. And yet what God wants to do with all of us, this beautiful company of people, is to say this. I'm going to use all sorts of means in your life to attract you away from the distractions that are distracting you at the moment from being deep in with me. I confess that, Lord. I say to you, I confess that the source of all my joy, all my intimacy with you, Lord Jesus, is that relationship with you as my loving Father. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you weary of your own compromises as you started the year? Did you do any resolutions? Uh, Gillian and I decided we were going to go, we decided we'd keep our resolutions fairly low key. Okay, and we said, right, This is a nice one. We're going to go for a walk every day. There you are. That was our resolution. We're going to try and keep to that as best we possibly can. There's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. Okay? (laughs) So (coughs) are you weary of other people's stories when they come to the front or you hear about it, other people's stories of God's power breaking out in their lives? You think, I don't want to hear that anymore because it's not happening in me. And I don't want to know, don't, it just makes me feel bad when I hear about other people's blessing. Ah, oh, how wonderful. But inside you're feeling, I, can't, I don't want to hear any more of these things. It's not, it's not in my world. I mean, I, I for one, I, I, I'm really excited by the Hebridean revival. You know, I've quoted you many a time about the Hebridean revival, but I, I almost can't bear to read that book again, uh, Sounds from Heaven, which is about the Hebridean revival, because I'm fed up. I'm saying, Lord, I'm fed up with reading about stuff that happened 70 years ago. I'm fed up with happening, hearing about what happened in other centuries. I want it here. I want it here. I'm fed up. All right, I'm confessing my fed upness. <laughs> we are to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said at the beginning absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. Are we really living like that? I was chatting with uh, my fellow elder from up the road in a church not far from here. And he said, I've got three words on my mind at the moment. Clive, he said, I feel that they're things I want to speak to my church about. When he said those three words to me, they deeply hit in my heart. And I said, I want to talk to my church about that. The first word, and I've, I've mentioned it at a prayer meeting recently. The first word is distraction. How distracted are you by the world at the moment? The second word is this, seduction. That the glittering things of the world are seducing you away from the truth which is to be found only in Jesus. You're hedging your bets. And the last word after distraction and seduction is a dangerous word. It's called the word sedation. That so many people are walking in sedated lives. They're sedated by television. They're sedated by... (laughs) all sorts of substances. They're sedated by the lies of the enemy. They haven't removed the veil from their eyes to see what's really happening in the world today. They're sleepwalking through life. There is a sedative at work in the world and it's not helpful. So i ask you about those three words, distraction, seduction, sedation. How's it working out in your life? Now, I wanna bring you a Bible verse or two now. So Rich, if, Richard, if you're ready, I want to start with one of the most unusual books in the Bible It's one, Ollie said he loved Ecclesiastes. I'm so with you on that book. Just after Ecclesiastes, there's this is beautiful love story. And you can take it at two levels. I love talking about this book, The Song of Songs, the song which is above all other songs. At one level, you can take it as a romance song between King Solomon and the Shulamite woman. But it's far deeper than that. It's there, this mysterious little book right in the middle of your Bible that talks about the divine romance between a king who sent for you and you, the bride, the bride of Christ, the bridegroom and the bride. And this, I feel, is just so for the church in the West, which largely is in a spiritual ice age, I weep for my friends in France, in Italy. There are so few churches which are shining lights for the gospel. We are in a spiritual dark age in the West. You know it. You know it. And that this little book has got so much to say about us, awakening in our passion for the Bridegroom. Can we read? The first seven verses. It's an extraordinarily explosive beginning. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. What? Is that in the Bible? <laughs> Guys, I'm just going to check that out, okay? Might, <laughs> might bring a few people back more to the Bible if you start reading these sort of words. For your love is better than wine and hey, I said that and I you know, like a glass every now and again, right? Your love is better than wine for your anointing oils are fragrant. Other translations say, your name is like perfume poured out. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The King has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine rightly do they love you and this is the bride who says this to the bridegroom who is wooing her she says this I'm very dark she's she's been burnt by the sun but I'm lovely oh daughters of Jerusalem like the tents of Kedar like the curtains of Solomon don't gaze at me because I'm dark. What she means is she she would have been someone who would have been out in the fields and she would have not wanted to have got burnt by the sun. It's got nothing to do with the colour of your skin. Don't worry about that because the sun has looked on me. My my mother's sons were angry with me, but they made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me where... You whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon, for why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? The kiss. Let's talk about kissing. Man, this is a racy little sermon. Let's talk about kissing. It's in the Bible. The kiss, the decision to kiss for the first time is crucial in any love story. It changes the relationship of two people much more strongly than even what it's going to end up leading to, the final surrender. In that first kiss, it has within it, if it's going to be a relationship that's going to go to marriage, it has its final surrender. In that first kiss, it's the beginning It speaks of intimacy that transforms a relationship. That first kiss is, if you like now, let's go allegorical. Let's talk about Jesus coming to us with his love, the Father coming to you and me with his love. If the Father kisses you, the kiss of God, it is gonna become a soul, my soul, awakened out of its lethargic state. That's what a kiss does. The kiss wakes you up. Hey into the panto, Sleeping Beauty. All our fairy stories are leading to this idea of the prince who rescues the beautiful one who's either poisoned by something or a splinter of ice in her heart or locked up in a tower. It's all speaking about the king who comes and kisses because he's warming her into his love. The kiss of God is his higher love warming up my lesser love. And that's what the kiss is all about. The very word kiss, proskuneo in Greek, it actually means this, to lean forward to worship. So you lean forward to kiss is to lean forward to worship. You're crossing a boundary line. After that first kiss, nothing is the same. You know that from human relationships. And this is an allegory. This is the church deepening in her passionate love for Jesus. And let me say this to you that an unprepared church cannot prepare an unprepared world to meet Jesus you need to be prepared i need to be prepared god needs to kiss you the church will be prepared by a love story with the bridegroom so is this is my life characterized by casual christianity Am I just churching it along, business as usual Christianity? If that's the case, God's after you. He's going to set a flame in your heart. And that's my hope for this year, is that we as a people of God are set on fire by the Holy Spirit amongst us. He wants to set you on fire to burn up, to burn on, but not to burn out. You go through the year, Filled with more and more with the power and the love of God. That's how this place is going to get changed. That place out there. Arrested by the love of God. Let's look at the next slide, Rich, if we can. Thank you. This is a scary, scary bit of scripture. This is Revelation uh, chapter three. Just find it. Trouble with new Bibles is that the pages are so thin, you can't get to them quickly, can you? Do you have that problem? Maybe that's only just my problem. Okay, I'll just talk to myself for a moment, right? Okay, this is is Jesus speaking to the churches and he singles out the church of Laodicea. And man, this is a little bit scary, but it tells you something beautiful about how he feels about you today, okay? So here we go, chapter three, verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, this is Jesus saying to John to write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch! I counsel you to buy from me gold, that's faith, refined by fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, as his beautiful next bit, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. That's to some of you who want to give your lives to Jesus this morning. Some of you have been coming along, and you're saying, "Do you know what? I want an opportunity to give my life to Jesus." Well, today is the day. If you open the door to him, he will come. In and make himself known to you. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Man, this is amazing. This idea of lukewarmness, which is neither hot nor cold. Here's an interesting thing God loves it when people are really angry with him, shaking their fist at him. I said, I don't believe in you, but I've got this to say to you. You really let me down. You let my family down. You brought things into my life, which are rubbish and have wrecked my life. I'm so annoyed with you. I'm so angry with you. And God's saying, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Isn't that a strange thing to say? In other words, you're engaging with the person you don't believe in. Some of you are doing that this morning. You're engaging with him. And somehow God says, that's integrity of heart. That's integrity of spirit. I like that. I want you to engage with me. Wrestle with me. Don't be indifferent to me. Indifference stinks. It stinks. It's lukewarmness. And what Jesus is going to do, you're either going to be hot, passionate for Him this year, or you're going to say, and another thing, God, you and I are going to argue with each other all year. Great. Either way, you know that hate is the other side of love. If I hate someone, somehow it's hurt me so much because I loved you. And I hate you now because I loved you and it's hurt me. And somehow I've got love for you even though I hate you. Am I talking just to myself here? Do you know what I'm saying? So love and hate are so close together. It's indifference that stinks. Lukewarmness. Did he just spit in church? I didn't, I didn't really spit. You're okay, it's okay. There's a lovely line from one of my favourite authors, Henry Nouwen, and he says this, are you deaf to the voice that calls you beloved? Are you deaf to that voice? Jesus heard before he started any ministry, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You're meant to hear that. You're meant to hear the voice of God deep in your heart. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. In you, I'm well pleased. Are you deaf to the voice that calls you beloved? Henry Nguyen also wrote this. He says, the father in the prodigal son story has cried much and died many deaths over you, choosing to live in a far off country. Are you in a far-off country at the start of the year? You've had a pretty difficult Christmas. The weather's been, am I allowed to use the word pants in church? I don't know. They're looking it up right now. The weather's been rubbish. You, I, I would say to Gillian, this feels like Groundhog Day. Like you wake up, it's still raining. It's still dark at eight o'clock in the morning. And you think, man, what is this weather all about? Please, spring, come to us. Uh, and you, you may have had a really difficult Christmas, But somehow you're thinking, you know, I feel deaf to the voice of God at the moment. And like Jesus's description of that prodigal son, have you left home? So you're here today, but in your head, you've left home. You've gone away from God, hoping to find somewhere else that you didn't think you'd find here. Is that you? Now back to Song of Songs, chapter one, you don't need to go back to it, Rich, but there's a beautiful line where the bride is insecure and she says, don't look at me, bridegroom, don't look at me, I'm not sure of your love. No, no, don't, I, I feel bad about myself, I feel, I feel ugly. I've been out in the vineyards, I've, I've neglected my own vineyard, I know that I'm a mess. No, don't look at me, don't look at me. And then as the song develops, he says to her, you're beautiful, my love. You're beautiful to me. That's why he wants to kiss her and waken her up to his love and his passion for her. And so I ask myself, this is about confession. Confess your inner life before God this morning. We're going to do this. We're going to break bread and we're going to drink wine and you're going to draw him into your heart again. Confess your inner life. Are you distracted by so many things? Duties, They're good in themselves, cares, work, iPhones, mobile phones, TV, social media. What about in marriage? If you're married, listen up. If you have habits of neglect in your marriage, you will risk intimacy. It ain't rocket science. In friendship, If you neglect your friendships, they will lead eventually to misunderstanding and isolation. Don't neglect your friendships. Don't neglect your marriages. Has the joy of your friendship with Jesus been replaced by religion? You're just churching it along. You've lost the wonder of grace. And you're doing what you think everyone expects you to do. You're just performing on the outside, but inside you're not a beautiful garden. You're an emotional jungle. How are you doing? It's confession time, he said, smiling at everybody. This is so important that the church is passionate about Jesus. I'm not far off the end here. I've got just a few more things to say about this. The Bible is not an end in itself. It's a means to bring you to the living word. The Bible isn't the thing that you're following. The Bible just leads you, hopefully, to the logos, the eternal word. Who's that? It's Jesus. The Bible, as you read it, you're meant to come to a person. You don't mean to get stuck in the pages and memorise them. No, no, it's to, well, you can memorise them. It's a very good idea. But you're to come to the person himself, to meet the lover of your souls. And so I say, when I read the Bible, I'm not reading it, it's reading me you know what I'm saying here? So when I read the very first line of the Song of Songs, it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I'm thinking, man, that's searching my heart. Am I allowing God to come that close to start with? Am I willing to open my lukewarm heart up to Jesus? Man, you're reading me. Ah, you're looking into my soul and I don't like it. And I'm shying away. And ask the question, the bigger question perhaps is you're seeking of God being done for you by your leaders in this church. You're relying on them. That should not be so. They will help you, but actually you're seeking and searching, you should be doing. Your leaders are there to help, but we're not taking the place of your soul searching after God. You have a responsibility and it's a beautiful one and it's one that will break your heart open to his love afresh. So, Let me ask this question of myself and of you at the start of this year. Having become a believer, do you no longer desire a deeper love relationship with Jesus? Do you no longer need to keep seeking him? So have you just stopped searching for better? How do you feel about that? No, I'm getting angry with you now, Clive. That's not me. You're not describing me at all. I'm not complacent. I know that I'm seeking him with my heart. I know that I'm deepening in my passion for him. I know it's a struggle, but I know where I'm going. Let me say it again. I believe that the world is in a season of darkness. Man, you don't need me to tell you that. You just, just switch on the news. We are in a season of deep darkness. And here's an interesting thing that for a society that dismisses the supernatural miracles of true Christianity... The Acts of the Apostles is full of supernatural miracles and amazing demonstrations of power. Our society, even though it dismisses all of the truth of Christianity, it's still hooked, weirdly, on astrology, horoscopes. Russell Grant's still going strong, all right? isn't he? Horoscopes are still there on the front page of many a newspaper. We, many have an unhealthy interest in magic, black and white. I walked down Regent Street earlier on this year in London. I went past Waterstones and a huge Christmas display for the Harry Potter Wizarding Almanac. Now, I'm not gonna say read it or don't read it. What I'm gonna say, if you're a parent and your kids are into Harry Potter, read it with them. Because the Harry Potter books are not the same as the Narnia books. The Harry Potter books are about real magic. And so you need to talk to your kids about what's going on in these books. She's a great storyteller. I'm not dissing the power of the cracking uh, stories that are in those series, but there is a warning over all things that you open your heart to. So talk to your kids about that. If you want to come to me afterwards, I can't say anymore. I want to to finish this preach, okay? But think about other things too, like the TV series, The Mayfair Witches. I don't know if any of you watch that. And yet faith in God is looked down on as naive, misguided, and the worst word that you give to us is that we're harmless. Man, nothing could be further from the truth. We are not harmless. You are not harmless. Oh boy, you are not harmless. You've got the sword of the Spirit in your hand. When did you pick it up last? And so the West seems to be focused on the things of the world, and not on the bridegroom. I said it at a prayer meeting a little while ago that we are in a wartime in this world at the moment. It's not peacetime mindset. We're in a wartime mindset. Therefore, we need to act wisely. And so I seek his presence, I pursue him, and I make myself ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Okay, Rich, can we have the next slide up? This should be um, Revelation 19. And <laughs> this is verse, verses 6 to 8. Revelation 19, 6 to 8. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters. with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Have you chosen your clothes yet? The bride here in Revelation has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean, given to wear. The last line in the Song of Songs, is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come away with me, my beloved. It's the bride herself who says that to the bridegroom. So from the beginning of Song of Songs to the end, it's a journey of coming out of insecurity, hating yourself, not understanding God's love, through to that point where you get so bold that you say, Maranatha, come to me, Lord Jesus. It's that freedom of the bride who knows she's so secure in his love that she she says, I just want you and me to go away together into exciting adventures. Maranatha, and do you know the last line almost of the Bible is exactly the same, that the Spirit of God and the bride work together and say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Don't you think it would be thrilling if we have 600 people in unison saying, come Lord Jesus? Wouldn't that be amazing that our hearts are so on fire for him that this body of people is shouting out, crying for God to come and make his presence felt even more powerfully through this year. That's where I'm headed. And if I burn up, I burn up, but that's where I want to go. I want to see so much more. I don't want it in the Hebrides. I want it in Sussex and beyond. And so I'm longing for Jesus's return, but I don't, it probably, I don't know, I might check me out here. It probably won't happen in my lifetime. But I know I'm not meant to try and judge when, but it may not. And if Jesus' return doesn't come in my lifetime, I'm still going to long for his appearing amongst us. And so when he does come amongst us by power as we're worshipping, the sadnesses will be dealt with. Our aching and our longing will be healed. He is the desire of the world if they did but know it. He's what one commentator called the beauty And the hope. And so, my response today is to confess if I've got lukewarmness and say to Him, Lord, I want to say, like the bride in the song, make haste, my beloved, come to me, make haste, come away with me, calling out to you to return to me again. I love you, I trust you, I'm yours. I want you to come and bring an end to suffering and evil. But meanwhile, I'm going to call upon you to make such a difference in this neighbourhood that I live in. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Can I just have the very last slide? I'm going to stop there. We're going to break bread. This is a a beautiful, beautiful um, quote from Carol Arnott, who is the wife of John Arnott. Some of you will remember, back in the 1990s, there was an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started in a strange place. It started near an airport in Toronto. And for some reason, God opened a well in 93, was it, guys? I can't remember. 92, 93. And there was an, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which then became known as the to Toronto Blessing. And it went round the world. And it came to our type of church as well. And churches that were not like our type of church, but there were huge numbers of people deeply affected by the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Yes, there were some um, excesses, but largely that was a beautiful move of God to revive his bride. I want that again. And I look at what came out of the Toronto blessing. And this is the wife of the guy who had to preside over the glorious disorder when the Holy Spirit comes into the church, his wife gets it and she understands what it's all about when she's touched again by power and love. And she writes this and I think it's just so beautiful and that's my heart for us. There must be time just for him, just to love him and have him love us. No other agendas, no lists of prayer requests, These may come later, but we need to put loving him first because only as we are filled with his love do we have love to give away. So many Christians cannot rest in his presence but must constantly be on duty. I don't want to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. I want the love affair to grow. Can I ask you this question? When was the last time you sat still and did nothing for 10 minutes? We're here for you, Lord. We're here for you, Lord Jesus. I'm just talking to you now, Lord Jesus, not to my friends. Lord Jesus, you know that I love you. Yeah. You know that I long for you with all my heart and you know that I don't want to settle here and I want to see more of you at work through my friends out into this world. Lord Jesus, will you visit us more powerfully this year? Will you move on every heart in this room? Will you cause us to have a passion that surprises us in our own love for you. Will you help those whose hearts are hurt, those who've been burned by the past, Lord Jesus? If some of you have been burned so badly by the past. Lord Jesus, come to them now. You've been hurt so badly. Come, Lord Jesus, come and kiss your bride again as we come in the breaking of bread may our hearts be broken by your love for us again you who gave yourself completely for us I want to give myself completely to you so Father through the power of the Holy Spirit I pray for more and more and more of your beautiful works to take place through the ministry of all the people in this room and beyond. I ask that with all my heart, Lord Jesus, that we might be a truly a prepared people for 2024. Amen. Let's just be still for the moment. Just listening to the heater reminds me of what happened to the Inuit Eskimos some 20, 30 years ago. You can Google it, it's on YouTube. But they were crying out because of so much drink and drug addiction in the Eskimo, the Inuit community in the far north of Canada. There were all sorts of terrible things going on in that community. Too much abuse, drug abuse, drink abuse, horrible abuse was going on. and The, the church was crying out for God to visit them. This is true. You can it's totally authentic what I'm telling you. It's on Google, it's on YouTube, and they were recording the meeting. And they were suddenly aware of a sound like this. And it starts to get louder and louder, and they switch off the recording device, because they think they don't understand what the noise is. It sounds like a wind coming through the meeting. They switch it off the recording, but here's the weird thing. It continued to record even though they switched off the recording device. And the wind gets louder and louder until it becomes a roar like a jet engine. And it goes through the place. And then they start to cry. Because God's turned up like a mighty rushing wind. And this holiness of God has come. And it's absolutely amazing And that was a time of revival where the drug abuse and the drink abuse and the marital abuse and the children abuse was broken and healed and the power of God came and rebuilt broken lives. But what started was that sound. Why can't we have that? I've seen people prayed for where gold flecks have landed on on their blouses or shirts and nobody else has been covered but the, the God of glory has brought these gold flecks onto them like little bits of shining resin it's like supernatural things can happen as we gather in his name as we cry out to him so Lord I'm going to break bread now let's get ready to to do this I don't know whether I want to say this to you but I, I want to say this but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it and then I'm going to take it back alright I want to say, if you're not prepared to seek him with all your heart and say, I'm serious with you, Lord, I almost don't want you to break bread, but that would be wrong. Because actually, I want you to break bread because I want you to take him into yourself and have sustenance. I want you to have the power of the Spirit on you. When you break bread, you take him into you, pray that prayer. But in a way, I, I don't want you to take it because if you're not serious with it, walk out of the door. Don't come back next week. This is serious. We're dealing with matters of life and death. But it doesn't seem like that because we're seduced, distracted and sedated. Awake, awake my soul through the breaking of bread, amen? Amen. Come on, let's do it together. So you heard me. If you're a visitor and you you are not a Christian, we'd like you to watch this because it's too precious to do it not understanding. But if you want to find Jesus... Take it with us, okay? You know the state of your heart. So let's get ready. We're doing something really special now, okay? The thing is special because the body of Jesus was broken on the cross. Let's enact his death, the breaking of our precious Lord Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You are invited. The King of love has sent for you. Come, eat, drink, be glad hearts and tell him you're serious with him this year. Amen.